The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at karm.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome to the show. I hope you uh going to have a good day listening, and we're going to have some good conversations, hopefully. So if you want to give me a call, four open lines, all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. It's real easy to do. Whew. All right, guess what I did yesterday? I actually sat and watched about 12 hours of TV. It was awesome. Oh, it was awesome. But today, oh, oh boy, uh, try to catch up with that. Got a lot of stuff going on, as is always the case. So, look, hey, folks, um, listen to Matt Slick Live, and if you like what you are hearing and you want to learn a little bit more, you're interested in uh, discussion, the Bible, uh, see Christian theology, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science, Unity, Baha'i Islam, Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, and the like. Now, let's see, Wednesday we'll be doing a um, live conference on the Trinity. Thursday I teach Bible study. Friday I got a debate. And uh, it's going to be a busy week for me. Busy week for me. So uh, that's okay. Wow. A lot to do. All right. If you want to give me a call, all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. So let's just get on the air with Rudolph from Raleigh, North Carolina. Rudolph, welcome. You are on the air. Yes, sir. Um, What is an Orthodox Christian? You mean as in Eastern Orthodox? I don't. They say I don't know. All they said was Orthodox Christian. That's probably uh, well. If a person said he he is an Orthodox Christian, uh, then that's generally what what that is is someone who holds to Eastern Orthodoxy, which is not Christian. It's like Roman Catholicism uh, teaches a false gospel, and uh, you know it's just not Christian. So. Um, I could talk to you about it if you want. What they teach, up to you. Oh no! But well, it was, it was the guy from Turkey, that Erdogan guy. Erdogan was saying that he was a Orthodox, Orthodox Christian. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be referring to Eastern Orthodoxy. They call themselves Orthodox. And uh, okay. so let's just say that uh, here. I'll read what. Uh, um, what they teach well let me just tell you what they teach about salvation what they say is that uh, salvation is achieved through a process it's not forensic in that it is not legal it is not something that happens instantaneously uh, by faith uh, it is something that's a process of your whole life where you participate in the energies of God the energies of God are his graces his graces come upon you and uh, they move you towards theosis. Theosis is being godlike. They don't say you become a god or that you become divine, but that you become like Jesus in, to such a degree that you're, uh, you're, you're, you're godlike in that sense. And that the energies of God, these graces, are those things that work through you by God's uh, work 
through you to bring you to a place where you can then uh, hopefully achieve salvation through a long period of of participation in these graces. And so uh, it teaches a false gospel, just on that alone. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, But I just want to say one thing. Mm -hmm. I know how you like uh, hate mail on Friday. (laughs) Yes, I do. I know you love it, but okay, right. Well, I bet you you wouldn't like it that much. We're going to change it to Flat Earth Friday. Flat Earth. Dean, let's well, you don't, you, you, wait a minute. Let's, you don't, you're like that. Wait, are you no, saying you, you believe you in Flat Earth? Like what? No, no, no. I'm saying I know you. I know you don't like it. So let's no, flat Earth is just not true. Hate mail. Huh? No, I'm saying that if you know you don't like talk about that. So let's no, I'm talking about that you like some to Flat Earth Fry Friday. Well, uh, if people want to call up and talk about the absurdity of, of no, uh, no, flat no. earth theology, no, I'd no. be glad to. No, you don't no, want people. Okay, uh, then I'm I'm no. at a loss. What are you saying? You want me to talk about no, flat earth I'm instead of hate mail? No, I'm saying you like hate mail, so let's change it from hate mail that you like. Let's change it to something you don't like. Flat Earth. Flat Earth are just dumb. It's just dumb. I mean, hate mail is at least entertaining. Flat Earth is just ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. hey. Well, thank you. Take care. Okay. You. You're welcome. You too, Bye-bye. Ralph. God bless, man. All right. Why don't we? Let's get on the air with Elijah from Pennsylvania. Elijah, welcome. You are on the air. Hey, man. How you doing today? Oh, busy. You know, talking on the radio, got to work on stuff after I'm done. What else I got to do? About everything. You know, that's all. That's how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm uh, I'm uh, calling you up. You know, you know, doing a follow up from uh, from what we talked about on Friday. Okay. Uh, my my pastor, uh, he watched the video this morning, and then, and then and then he got back with me. Uh, he said, uh, uh, it turns out that it was just a misunderstanding. He said he says that he does believe. In uh, faith alone, uh, he said that he okay. had misspoke, and and, uh, and uh, okay. he said he, he said that from from, from now on, uh, you know, when he texts people, uh, he's going to have to uh, be careful what he says because because he doesn't want to you know accidentally uh, mislead <laughs> yeah. people. Hey, that's good. Good for him. Good for him. You know, I remember once I was preaching at a church, and I got down after preaching. I was guest preaching, Southern California, and the elders came up to me and were smiling. I'm like, what? And they said, you know what you said up there? I said, uh oh. <laughs> What did I say? I'm smiling and they're laughing. They said, you said, quote, Jesus is not God. I said, no, I didn't. And they go, yes, you did. But they knew it was just a, you know, just a misspeaking. You know, so it happens. Yeah. It happens. No big deal. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but uh, to my question, <laughs> I have a question about... Uh,
who were beheaded for testimony of Jesus and for and those who did not worship the beast or its image or is not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. Uh, so, so, so this seems future tense, not now. And so, so I would I wonder, uh, uh, what do you think about those verses? Yeah, uh, it says, then he threw them in the abyss. Those are the uh, uh, devil, Satan, dragon, serpent. Uh, bound him, threw him into the abyss, and shut and sealed it over. Uh, so wouldn't deceive the nations any longer, till the thousand years uh, was completed. After these things, he must re- be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones and set on them. The judgment was given to them. So it doesn't say uh, that it was uh, sequentially right at, one right after the other. It just says, and then uh, thrones. So it doesn't say how long. It doesn't say uh, anything. Okay. Yeah, uh, my, my, my question is the, part, is the part where it says that those who reign with Christ are the ones who refuse to worship the beast and take his mark. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what I understand about uh, this view in, in this is that those who, uh, those are, during the millennial reign, those are the ones who have died with Christ, been beheaded, been uh, uh suffered for his sake and they are made alive and this is the problem I would have with it made alive because they're already alive if they're if they're dead you know physically and that they're going to rule in that state with Christ now I think that's one of the personally I think it's one of the weaknesses of all millennialism in that position oh okay yeah like I say you know every view has strengths and weaknesses and uh, what I I find to be extremely strong for Amel is the this age and the age to come categorization. And when you do that, it becomes very very difficult to justify literal thousand year reign. It really does. And I have an article on it, uh, and you can see you know that uh, for example at the end of the age the wicked are gathered, the judgment of the wicked occurs, the elect are also gathered, the harvest occurs, the Jesus returns. The, uh, the judgment of the wicked is on the last day, which uh, the judgment of the good is the day of the Lord, and the judgment of the wicked is also called the day of the Lord. So the judgment of the wicked is the last day, but that's also at the end of the age, according to Matthew. I got all these verses, and so there, the verse, the scriptures speak of the same event in different ways. So, for example, the judgment of the wicked happens at the end of the age, but also it happens on the last day, but also happens on the day of the Lord. So we can therefore say that the end of the age is the last day, which is the day of the Lord. And so we can then say from all of those things that the resurrection occurs on uh, the day of the Lord. And it's also the return of Christ and it's also the rapture. So this all has to happen pretty much at the same time. Not necessarily at the exact same second, but on that same day. In a period, there's going to be a lot of stuff happening right then and there. So what I do is I put my... my, uh, my emphasis on those things, and uh, you know, for example, the, the the resurrection of the good occurs at the last trumpet, which is also when the rapture occurs. But the rapture occurs on the day of the Lord, which is the same day as the judgment of the wicked, which is the, and so these are the things I, I look to. And so when I come into verses like this in Revelation, I'll say, you know, I'm not exactly sure how that fits into the omnil position, and just like other verses would not fit very well into the premill position and stuff like that. So. That's what I say. All right. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and uh, could, could, could I say one more thing before I go? Sure. 
Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, I, I, I uh, uh, lean, lean more towards the uh, once saved, always saved view now after watching, you know, several de- uh, debates on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, salvation and stuff. And and today I finished I finished reading the Book of Galatians and 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 one of the reasons why I used to believe that you could lose your salvation is because you know uh, uh, Galatians uh, seems like you know the churches of Galatia you know apostatized and lost their salvation. But today I found a verse that stuck out to me. Uh, it's in uh, Galatians uh, five ten, where Paul says, "I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you." will bear the penalty, whoever he is. And, and I have a MacArthur Study Bible, and I looked at the footnotes, and, and they give a cross-reference back to, I think it's John 10, 27, 28, where Jesus says, uh, it is the will of the Father that that uh, I lose none, and, and, and nobody can pluck them out of my hand or the Father's hand. Amen. So, yes, uh, First John, I mean, uh, John 10, 27, 28. Actually, those are the verses that uh, conver- converted me. Uh, or solidified me in the issue of you cannot lose your salvation. But here, think about this, too. So Jesus bore our sin in his body on the cross 2,000 years ago. So a guy named Bob is born you know, in our, our time here. And he's an unbeliever until the age of 40. And for 10 years, he's a believer. And then he stops uh, being a believer, so he loses his salvation. Let's work on from that model. Well, then... <clears throat> Here's the question. Did Jesus bear all of his sins or not bear all of his sins? And if he bore all of his sins, how could he be not saved if all of his sins were paid for? And how could he be saved if the future sins weren't paid for? And still be saved. It doesn't make any sense. Well, we got to go. Unless you want to stay. All right, buddy? we got to break. All right. Thank you. All right, man. Hey, we got four open lines. Give me a call. 877 2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Welcome back to the show, everyone. And if you want to give me a call, we have two open lines, 877-207-2276. All right, let's see. Let's get to Alberto from Georgia. Alberto, welcome. You're on the air. Yeah, good evening, Matt. My question is, what's the proper interpretation for Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, and Revelation chapter 22, verse 19? Oh, whatever one God gives. That's a bit, that's the right one. Hmm? Well, yes, what's the right one? I can only tell you the right one is the one that God would do. And I have an opinion of what I think it might be, but I don't know if it's the right one. Because okay. I hear preachers say that God could God erase the person's name out of the book of life. No. But why, yeah. how, why, should, why should God raise the person's book of life once he writes it and God knows who's going to believe in him? God makes no mistakes. He's all sovereign. So why have to put it in and erase it later on? Right. So, you know, I'll give you what I believe it means, okay? And, and uh, it says, He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I'll confess his name before my father and before his angels. Uh, they make a mistake of, of saying, uh, of thinking logically that, oh, that means he can erase it. No, it doesn't say he can. It just says, and he won't. If he won't, it's the same thing as saying it can't happen because he won't do it. So it's either won't because it's eternally decreed or he won't, as they might say, because if you're good enough, you won't erase it. 
So they go with the later or the latter interpretation. Now, Revelation 22, 19, uh, I don't know if that's the right verse that you're talking about. I sent my angel to testify of these things. Oh, no, excuse me, here it is. If anyone takes away from the words, I read the wrong thing. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of his prophecy, God will take his part away from the tree of life in the holy city, and uh, which are written in this book. This book is the book of Revelation, and he says take his part from the tree of life. It doesn't say the book of life. Now, just so mm-hmm. you know, in Revelation seventeen eight, the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come upon the abyss and go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will wonder uh, when they see the beast uh, and who uh, that he was and is not and will come. And so it also occurs in Revelation 13, 8, the phrase, uh, where it says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life. Uh, so what we're seeing here is that God has written their names from the foundation of the world in the book of life. It makes perfect sense. He's, he's a sovereign king. They're in the book of life from eternity past. God is not going to put the person's name in the book of life if they're going to lose their salvation because they didn't have the book of life. Now, they might say, well, no, you can be in and then out and in and out. Well, then here's a question. Can you lose your salvation, get it back, lose it back? Is is the name of the book, your name written in the book of life, then taken out, put back in, taken out, put back in? It never implies anything like that. So the people who teach you can lose your salvation are on weak foundation. Okay. So, so what do you really think? I heard this guy named Corey Miner, Mark Christian Channel. He believes in save always save, and like you do, and he says that uh, according to the Greek, it's an, it's an emphatic negation, right, or, or a double emphatic negation, right? Right. Uh, I think it's. Uh, let me see. In Revelation three five is what you're talking about. Let me see. It's. Uh, yeah. Uh, will not erase. Um, uh, Ume in Greek, it's double mm-hmm. negative. It will not right. happen. It will not not. Now we say this double negative, which means it will. But uh, what it's saying there is, it's an emphatic declaration. It's not even possible. Okay. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's what he said. Also, same thing okay. you're saying. Correct. Okay. Remember that video I told you about? I was going to show you about RC's bro uh, to wake up in hell. It's in the clip. I don't know how to send it to you on on, on an email. It's the title, the title of the video is called uh, To Wake Up in Hell, it's in the clip, R.C. Scroll. No, you so just you uh, take the URL and you email it to info at karm.org. Info dot... Yeah, info. Info at, at, info at, at karm.org? Okay. Right. That's your, that's your email address? Okay. That, that's it. That's, okay. The, uh, bus- that's the ministry email address. Okay? Okay. Okay. All right. Info at karm.org. Okay. And and and, and, and uh, click on the you said the, the 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 clip thing you said. If you have a video, it's going to be in a browser. You go to the top of the browser where it says HTTPS colon slash slash. You just uh, select that entire thing. Click once into it. Hit Control A. That'll select the whole thing. Control C. That'll copy. A for all, C for copy, control A, control C. Okay. Then you go over to your um, email, control V for paste. Okay? V, not P, because okay. print. V, okay? Okay, V, okay. V, okay. or right mouse click. Okay. Or you can just do the okay. same thing by right mouse clicking, and you can uh, 
Well, I don't have a cell phone when I'm not doing it on the computer. Okay, well then, you have to stand on your head and make sure the, the phone's facing east, and then it'll work better. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll do it. Uh, all right. All right. Okay, 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 buddy. Thanks. Okay, God bless. Bye-bye. All right, now let's get to Randall from West Virginia. Randall, welcome. You are on the air. Hey, Matt. Hey. This is Randall from West Virginia. Okay. Now, can and do I have a clear connection? I, so far, yes. Okay. Now, should my phone be facing east towards Jerusalem or Mecca? <laughs> yes, while you're moonwalking backwards. That's that's right. <laughs> well, yeah. no, actually, why I called you, I have a praise. I've uh, talked to you about my sister that uh, became Muslim many years ago. She married a Muslim, and she became Muslim. And she asked me not to talk to her daughter about Christianity when she was born. So I agreed I wouldn't. But I said, I will not continue to pray for her that she finds Jesus. Now, Wednesday night, Miriam, that's her name, she turned 16 years old. Miriam called me for the first time and had a lot of questions about Christianity. Good. She did not understand any of it. She wanted me to explain the difference between a pastor and a priest and explain the Trinity. And I think I explained everything pretty well. And she was hung up on the Trinity, and she was thinking God took three forms, and I told her, no, it's one God and three persons. And she said she don't didn't see how that could be possible and I told her it's not possible as far as human understanding I said but God's ways are not our ways and he's far above us and I I think she was understanding a lot more she'd never been taught anything but what I'm getting to is I have been praying for 16 years for that girl I love her. I, I had held her in my lap when she was little. And 16 years later, she calls me. And, Praise you know, that's, that's just a blessing. And I wanted to share that with you and Charlie, because Charlie uh, mentioned something before. It's been a while. And, you know, it's just, you know... Well, it's encur- there's the music. We've got to go. But it's, in, it's, a, it's encouraging, Randall. It is, because I'm praying for my daughters and... Uh, Charlie's praying for his son, so I know that that's the case. Okay, we got to go because there's a break, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. I All appreciate right. it. All right. All right. Hey, folks, two open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Right, let's get back to the show. Let's get to Mike from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Welcome. You're on the air. Um, hey, hey, Matt. Um, yeah. I have a question about Matthew 24, verse 14. Mm-hmm. And this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. The word world there, what does that pertain to? I mean, I, I think the original Greek, the word world there is not what we think the word world is. 
right, it's not cosmos, which is the word world. This is uh, oikomene, and uh, it right. means all the inhabited earth, the Roman Empire of Palestine, the adjacent countries generally, and in later usage, the habitable globe of earth and the world as known to the people of ancient times. Matthew twenty four fourteen, Luke twenty one sixteen, Romans ten eighteen, etc. Right. So, okay. And I think I think this is the only time that Jesus uses the word oikomene. Um and it says witness to all nations. That's the nations of the Roman but the Roman Empire was made up of what, like twenty six nations or something? I don't know. I mean actually. It includes Britannia, Gaul, Germania. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um and then when it says that the end will come, what end? That's the question. Uh, let's see. And no, Jesus does use it in Luke, also in Luke twenty-one twenty-six. Men fading from fear, expectation of things that coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So he does mention it there as well as Matthew twenty-four fourteen. Okay, just giving you a heads up because I like to do a little bit of research here. So, okay, back to Matthew 24, 14. What's the end? Well, the, uh, John the MacArthur... Is the end of the sacrificial age? <laughs> well, he's a dispensationalist, and he believes in pre-trib stuff and pre-rapture stuff, in uh, pre-tribula- uh, pre-millennial stuff, which I don't. And uh, you know, he's a very le- learned, godly man, good guy, and so we just have a difference of opinion here. So uh, he right. might might then say that the end is uh, during the millennial uh, reign because that would make sense to say that the end will come and then the new heavens new earth are made that would make sense but it could be i don't know what his particular position is but maybe he might be interpreting the end will come as in the end of the seven-year tribulation period and then the millennium will start i don't know okay well he says says this is how christ characterizes the time of the great tribulation described in the verses that follow um, also, when he in, in, when he references preached in all the world, he doesn't say oikomene. He talks about the gospel being preached throughout the globe, and that's not what it says. See, I'm I'm, well, I'm disagreeing with John MacArthur on this. That's okay, but look uh, in Luke two one, it says Caesar Augustus that the census be taken of the whole inhabited earth. And so uh, that's the word okamainas also. And the word earth there is, oh, it just says inhabited, and then earth is implied. All the inhabited, so implication of earth. And uh, so, and then it says Luke 2, 4, 5, Luke 2, 4, yeah, and through 5, where Satan is tempting Jesus, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And so when I look at the world, uh, the word oikamene, uh, uh, it comes from oikeo to dwell, to abide the inhabited earth the Roman Empire, Acts seventeen six, the Jews in the world Acts 24, 5 of Palestine and the adjacent countries, Luke 2, 1 and uh, generally and in, like I said earlier uh, later usage the globe, the earth, and that would be for example uh yeah, in Luke twenty one twenty six. So and then there's Romans ten eighteen and the world's and yeah. So just, it has uh, different uh, meanings, a different context. It's used fifteen times, and there's quite a variety of of uh, contexts. Uh, 
So it's also used in the world to come. For he did not subject the angels to angels, the world to come, concerning which you're speaking. So it has, a, okay, I'm just thinking out loud, but it has a, a broad semantic domain. And it can mean a very localized area, local countries, or the entire uh, earth, depending on the context. Right. Okay. Well, I, I was just, I was just somewhat confused because, uh, like I said, I've got, a, I've also got a, a Schofield Bible, which uh, is my, was my first Bible. I became a nutty dispensationalist, and then that kind of washed out of my system. But uh, even he, even Schofield, says that that word for world is oikomene. I mean, he he makes the correct reference, and MacArthur didn't, which you know I found a little bit disturbing. Um, well, I don't I know see. I don't see his omission of the of the Greek word. Personally, I don't see it as a as a problem. I understand what he's doing. Um, it's just uh, see oikomene. Okay, uh, there's a oh, there's a word economic trinity oikonomia is another Greek mm-hmm. word, and it means an interrelated group of 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 workings and stuff, and we get economy from it, and then we get the economic trinity from it, but oikonomia. And then uh, here, what we have is oikonomene. So it's they're similar in their roots of an interrelated kind of a thing. And uh, in, the, in the dictionary... Oikos, oh yeah, oikos just means house. I know, I've known that. I remember that when I see yogurt called oikos, I say to my wife, like every time, that means house in ancient Greek. Uh, oikurios, or excuse me, oikuras, oikuras, uh, keeper at home, one who looks after domestic affairs with prudence and care. And then oiktero, uh, to pity, have compassion. So, anyway, just look at the oi. Uh, K uh, root to see if there's any commonality, and there is, depending on how it's used. So, uh, ooh, look at that. Oikodespotes, master of the house. And, and, yeah, interesting. Anyway, just so many good things. So, I wouldn't put too much credence on it. Okay? Right. Okay. okay. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right, man. Okay. God bless, buddy. You have a good day. God bless you. All right. Bye bye. Okay. All right. Three open lines. Why don't you give me a call? 877-207-2276. Look at the John from Pennsylvania. John, welcome. You are on the air. Hello, Matt. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I have a question I'd like your perspective on. I've been, in my reading, I, I encountered uh, And it has to do with, uh, well, mainly the calling of Matthew, Levi. In, in the book okay. of Matthew, uh, you have the... Uh, at the end of chapter 8, verse 28, you have the, uh, the event where there's the healing where Jesus goes over across the, across the lake to the Gadarenes or the Gerasenes, and, 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 uh, and, and, you know, you have the demoniac being healed and, and, uh, and uh, being, the demon is being sent into the pig. And then uh, subsequent to that, in chapter 9, at the beginning, you have him crossing back over to his own city, and you have the paralytic being healed, where he says your sins are forgiven, and then right after that, uh, well, I think yeah, right after that you have Jesus calling Matthew from the taxi, and then of course after that he has the feast, and the and the Pharisees get upset with that. So you have the event of the Gadarenes, you know, the, the, the demoniac being healed, and then subsequent, at least in Matthew, it shows that. 
However, in the book of Luke, the uh, that uh, that sequence seems to be presented differently. In, in chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 17, you have that more detailed account of the man being brought in, uh, paralyzed, uh, you know, bringing him through the roof. Jesus heals him, and then after he calls Levi, and this is all in Matthew chapter 5, but then in Matthew chapter 8, at the beginning... Well, well, hold, have, hold on, uh, hold on. I can't follow you. Sure. Okay. All I'm of that, I, I, yeah. There's just a lot of information there, and I'm not able to follow it and, and look at context to even begin to understand whatever your question is, which I don't know yet. All right, let's simplify it. The calling of Matthew, uh, in, in, in the book of Matthew, occurs after the Gadarene demoniac being healed. In the book of Luke, the calling of, of Matthew and all the twelve occurs before that. Oh. So it seems like the sequence is reversed, and I, I, I just was stunned to see that. You know, I never saw that before, and I just was wondering what your take is on that. Don't know. I haven't studied it. So what I would suggest you so, do is write it up. Uh, just say, here's this verse, and then this verse, and in this verse it says before, and this one after, and that way we'll know exactly what the issue is and go take a look. Maybe see if we can research it and write oh, an article okay, on it. Okay. Yeah. I'll do that. Thank you very much. Because yeah, there are a lot of issues, and I've written a lot of answers on, on these. Uh, so, you know, we're called Bible difficulties. I've got hundreds I've gone through. And, uh, you know, I don't know them all. So I would just say, hey, write it up and send it to us, and we'll take a look. Okay? See if we can answer it. Because okay. I have to read, okay. I have to read all the context, yeah. see what's going on, if there's a Greek tense that makes a difference or not. You know, really got to get in and take a look. Okay? All right, man? Okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right, three open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll get to Cody from Ohio right after this break. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's get on the air with Cody from Ohio. Hey, Cody, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. Evening. Hey. How's everything? Oh, it's going. <laughs> so what do you got? Yeah. Okay, so some guys were asking about, um, you know, there was some commentary on Born. Uh, um, once saved, always saved. So what I what came to mind was Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, all the way up to Hebrews 6, verse 12. Um, what's your thoughts on that? So I can kind of have, have a better understanding. Well, there's a lot there uh, in those in that pericope. Right. So it's a lot of verses, so I can't really read them all over the year and just go over it. So you probably are referencing mainly uh, verses Hebrews 6, oh. 4 through 6. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and uh, were they saying that is uh, proof you can lose your salvation? No, I just, you know, I, I've been told both yes and no about once saved, always saved, okay. and I haven't really done much study. I just kind of, okay. you know, the Word of God is what I try to hold to as an right, well, opinion. Me, so. Let me help you out here, okay? Look what it says here. Okay. For those who've once been enlightened, does it say they're saved? It doesn't say they're okay. saved. Taste of the heavenly it gift. Is. What does taste the heavenly gift mean? That's a serious question. 
and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's the best that England would have right there to say that someone might be saved, partakers of the Holy Spirit. But again, what does the phrase mean? Because you can uh, clearly see that uh, Judas, for example, he was enlightened. He tasted the heavenly gift. He was, in a very real sense, made a partaker of the Holy Spirit, seeing what what, uh, could be done. In fact, he even had gifts of the Holy Spirit to be able to do things and work miracles. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and have fallen away, it's impossible to renew them again in repentance. Now, there's two two uh, types of repentance. Second Corinthians seven, ten, I think it is. Yes, for the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world—that's repentance—produces death. There's true repentance and false repentance. So we, Judas, for example, repented of his sin, but he still went to hell. So yeah. So the verse can't, the pericope, the section of Scripture, cannot be used to demonstrate that you can lose your salvation. It doesn't prove it. Furthermore, if they want to say that it does mean you can lose your salvation, then notice what it says in verse 6. They've fallen away. It's impossible to renew them again in repentance. Well, that would mean then that they could never get their salvation back. So you ask them, can a person lose their salvation? Yes. Can they get it back? Yes. Well, then... If they want to say Roman, me, Hebrews 6, 4-6 teaches that you can lose your salvation, then it must also teach that you can't get it back. But if they say you can, then why are they not agreeing with what they think the Scriptures uh, say there? Now, First okay. John 2.19 says they went out from us because they never were of us. If they had been of us, they would have remained. Jesus says in John ten twenty seven twenty eight, My sheep hear my voice, and I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. Jesus equates eternal life with never perishing. Let me read it again. John ten twenty seven, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. Notice that Jesus says eternal life, and they will never perish. Jesus gives it to them. He says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. That's what Jesus is doing. He gives them eternal life, and they will never perish. Because he gave them eternal life, that's why they will never perish. When you go to John six thirty-seven, it says this, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I certainly will not cast out, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. So can Jesus lose any? No. no. Well, well, the Father, Jesus, can't lose any. But Jesus is the one who gives him eternal life, so they will never perish. That's what he says. In fact, the next verse, in verse 40, this is will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Now notice that he's actually equating eternal life with not losing it, or having eternal life and never perish, because he says in the previous verse that all that he's given me, I lose none that's never perished, but raise it up on the last day. The next verse, he has eternal life that he will raise him up on the last day. So he's equating eternal life with never perishing in that verse, those two verses. Also, you go to John 3.16. Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So 
we can't lose our, our salvation. Because if Jesus was on the cross and he bore our sins and his body on the cross, did he bear all of them or not all of them? If he's going to bear the sins of someone who's saved, who's going to be saved back 2,000 years ago, can they go to hell? Because he paid for their sins. In fact, Colossians 2.14 says he canceled the certificate of debt. He did it on the cross. It's canceled not when you believe or when you get baptized, but when Jesus died on the cross, having canceled the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees, which was also to us. He took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. It was taken out of the way at the cross. If he paid for your sin debt back then, you can't lose your salvation because it's canceled then. But think about this. Let's say there's a guy who uh, is going to get saved at the age of 40. And he's going to lose his salvation at the age of 50. Well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus bore all of his sin, right? Well, mm -hmm. maybe not. The, the sin he committed after he lost his salvation is not paid for, right? Because if it's paid for, if a legal debt is paid for, then it can't be held against you. Sin is breaking the law of God, First John 3, 4. It's a legal debt. And Jesus says so. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In Matthew six twelve, he says, forgive us our debts. In Luke eleven four, he says, forgive us our sins. Jesus equates sin with legal debt. Legal debts are transferred. They're transferred to him. He bore our sin in his body on the cross. Did he die for part of your sin or all of it? If he only bore part of your sin, then how could you be saved? If the unbeliever who's saved for 10 years ends up going to hell because not all his sins are paid for, then how could he be saved without all his sins being paid for? You see? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to say you can lose your salvation. That's like saying God made a mistake when he gave them to the Son for safekeeping. Okay. Yeah, never, never heard it like that. So that definitely helps. Well, you could you convinced you can't lose your salvation, or you're just not sure. No, I mean, I, I got um, say you know people I know that you know like your analogy. You know, ten years ago they were saved, and then for the past ten years they've lived a life of hell, drinking and smoking and partying and fornicating mm -hmm. and whatever. And now they're back in church, and it's like, well, huh, were they were, were they false converts? 10 years ago or, yeah, or are were. they just or are they even saved now well I can't tell you because I don't know them but look right, they right. went out First John 2.19 they went out from us but they were never really of us for if they had been of us they would have remained so, would have remained okay oh, that's yeah. so you got to think about this in Ephesians 1.4 I'm sorry I was saying that reminds me of John 15. Abide in the vine. Jesus yeah. vine. Yes, and that's covenant language. It's covenant language. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hold on. So, uh, uh, yeah, okay. So anyway, it, it's difficult to say or to justify the idea that we lose our salvation because Jesus came to redeem the ones given to him by the Father. And he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. That means the Father's giving a specific group to the Son, and the will of the Father is that he lose none of them. So if people can lose their salvation, then Jesus lost them. He lost some of the ones given to him by the Father, and the will of the Father is that Jesus not fail. 
Jesus can never fail to do the will of the Father. So, right there, you can't lose your salvation. And our salvation does not depend on our goodness. does not depend on our faithfulness. No. It can't. Because we'd, we'd be dead in, in a second. And the people who say that you can lose your salvation and get it back are the ones who, if, they be, if they're consistent, will teach that they maintain their salvation by how good they are. They are the ones who keep believing. They are the ones who don't do bad things. They're the ones who do the right things. And then what we have here is a problem at that point. Because when you go to Luke 18, starting in verse 9, and he told a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Do you think that that Pharisee was believing that he was maintaining his position with God by his, the things he did good and the things he did not do that were bad? Of course he was. He was having faith in God, and he's saying, Look, I don't do these bad things, and I do the good things. Then Jesus says, But a tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes up to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. So he's saying the, the Pharisee was damned. This is what Jesus did. It's a parable that Jesus gave. The point is, yep. this Pharisee was saying that he's, you know, in the, by Jesus' illustration, he's maintaining his position by his goodness. That's a, and that's a false gospel. We don't. We don't maintain our salvation by our goodness. We can't. We can't. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. If my salvation depended on my goodness, I'm dead. I'm done. It's over. Because what people do who say that, though, what they do is they redefine righteousness on their own level. Not on the level of God, but on their own level. God understands that I'm sincere, that I'm trying. And as long as I do these right things, I'll be okay. Why not become a Mormon yeah, or a Roman Catholic with that kind of thinking? You know? Right. Yeah. I hear people say, well, God knows my heart. Heart's definitely well, wicked and deceitful. Wicked. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, wicked and deceitful. So God knows your heart, then maybe you don't know your heart. <laughs> Ooh. That's good. You know? God, yeah, God knows your heart. Do you know your own heart? Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty good. Oh, you don't know your own heart. You know, once yeah. I was praying, I tell the story. I was praying, I was praying, I was praying, I was praying for 20 minutes. 20 minutes. And I was confessing every single sin I could think of. I couldn't even think of any more. And then, in the midst of my humble status before God on my knees, I said, Lord, thank you for not making me like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. And just like that text, you know, he says, Thank you for not making me like that tax collector. And I recognized what I had said in the wickedness of my own heart only because of the Word of God. Even in the best part yeah. of our prayers, we're still wicked. And yet God loves us anyway. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's why we need that Word of God written in our heart. Oh, you yeah. got that right, brother. Amen. No. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I like and, the... And, you know, it goes, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. It goes to, um, goes to show that when Jesus, you, you know, people, you know, millions of people that are lost converts, you know, they're gonna, Jesus is gonna say to them, um, "Depart from me, I never knew you." Well, you might yep. know Jesus, but does Jesus know you? 
That's the right so, question. You should call back tomorrow. We could talk more about that. I can teach you some more. I will. But hey, I buddy, will. there's the music. All we right, gotta man. go. All right, Cody. Yep, gotta go. See you on network. Love you. See ya. Okay. Come on, bye. Hey, folks, there you go. We're out of time. Hey, we'll talk to you tomorrow by God's grace. Another program powered by the Truth Network. <laughs>